Hi, and welcome to Filmmaker's Compass Podcast, the show where we talk about movies and well more movies. I'm D-Man, joined by CP. CP, how are you doing today? I am awesome, D-Man. I really enjoyed watching the Oscars the other day, and I hope that you did too. You know what? I actually really did. It was a fun show. I felt they got back to the movies. I, well, we'll get into our thoughts on the Oscars. We're going to talk about it. You know, we've been Oscar-centric for a little bit, and we'll kind of end that category of episodes with this new show today. So I'm excited for that. I also, all of our video podcast listeners, you can probably tell that we actually have a, you know, little set action going on here, which is pretty cool. Very cool. And I'm totally digging what you did. Love the Star Wars posters in the background. Me too. Nice job. Yeah. Let us know what your, what your thoughts are, because we'd love to hear from you guys and make sure that I don't know. This is what you're interested in looking at uh, in addition to our beautiful faces. I mean, come on, come on. Let's go ahead and jump into our shout outs in this episode. So first up, I want to give a shout out to all of the Oscar winners. It's always, you know, such a prestigious honor to win, you know, the golden statue. And that's kind of in a lot of ways, other than apparently making $2 billion on your movie, that is the uh, pinnacle of that profession in a lot of respects. Congratulations to all those that were nominated, but especially the winners, because I'm sure the day after you're like, holy cow, I am one of the best at what I do. So incredible. On our shout out, Stephanie G said, you and Christian were right. Also, Brendan Fraser, a fellow Hoosier, which I did not know that. Yes, I did. I did. I mean, of course, how can you not like a guy from Indiana? I mean, yeah, born in Indianapolis. I had to go Google it. So thanks, Steph, for uh, sharing. But yeah, and congrats, Brendan Fraser, a Hoosier. (laughs) CP, my mom was actually uh, live messaging me during the entire broadcast. She just said she really enjoyed the the show this year, the sets and decorations, Jimmy Kimmel as the host, and she just thought it was a great show. She said now she needs to go see everything everywhere all at once. Well, everybody should go see it. You know, I'm going to go check it out myself. Takeaway. I'm definitely going to watch it. Now, I got to switch gears here because up next on our shout outs is actually Eric Drucker, who said, I hate the Oscars. Don't care about the red carpet, what people are wearing, or what social justices they're fighting for. It's asinine, and they should go back to celebrating film. Which, Drucker, I know you obviously clearly weren't watching, but if you did check out this year's broadcast, they actually do kind of get back to film. So we'll talk about that, too, in a little bit. Very true. But up next is uh, at Jazzy Amelia. She says, they're just not family friendly, referring to the Oscars. Obviously, the slap has something to do with that, but sometimes so does the hosts. And I get that. She goes on to say, I agree that we don't have to internalize whatever is preached during acceptance speeches, but after last year's slap and outburst, there it is. I feel like I'd rather just read about the winners after. I also think we just don't have the attention span to watch a whole award show like before. And they did kind of mock that a little bit. Jimmy Kimmel made quite a few references to length throughout the show is something clearly I think they have on their mind that they're aware of trying to move along. It's an irony that like, I think this year they also mentioned that they brought back all the categories that had been dropped in previous shows to reduce the runtime. And so they brought those back, but then they're trying to reconcile that with like, hey, people's attention span, they don't want to sit here and watch a four hour show. Mm -hmm. Interesting dynamic, but I think there is something to that because they seemed very aware of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Up next is uh, Boone at Boone accurately predicted most of the major categories. I am in a chat with Boone and he did list a lot of who he thought was going to win and they almost all won, which 
was quite remarkable. Boone, I'm hoping you put some money down on this. (laughs) (laughs) Guessing you didn't. So just give yourself a nice pat on the back. (laughs) I also, CP, I have to throw this out there. Eric Drucker messaged me and he chimed in with a question about Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. And he asked, why if the Gungans village is underwater and they're maybe strongest underwater, why did they not lure the droid army to where they might be having an advantage first of all i don't know if those droids were waterproof and i don't know if robots are willingly going to go into water so you might have to meet them where they are if you want to battle my my understanding and i just wanted to clarify this with you drucker is that padme or queen amidala essentially asks them to be a distraction on the fields so that her and her team can sneak into the throne room and capture the Viceroy. So it's it's actually a distraction, which is in some ways terrible because it's basically a giant sacrifice. Any of you guys watched like All Quiet on the Western Front? <laughs> or, or Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know. This has happened a lot in warfare. That kind of sucks. But I think the Gungans stepped up and, you know, were able to draw the droid army around protecting the the edge of the city and that way they were able to get back into the throne room with more ease not that there weren't any adversaries or droids or anything there is that your understanding cp i don't know i'm curious i do remember a line where they said that the droids had gone underwater and found the gungan cities abandoned Mm, okay so we know that the droids went to attack them and, and then there's a line about how, I think Jar Jar says it, how, so they've gone to the secret, to their secret place that the droids would never be able to find them, yeah, which it's like apparently is just like a swamp with some old ruins. I would think that with sophisticated <laughs> Star Wars technology, you would be able to find anybody anywhere, but hey, that's beside the point. Okay, well, I mean, that does actually help clarify a little bit more of what Drucker was asking for, is that I think maybe they felt that they were in their city out in the open and possibly wanted to spare the destruction of the whole city in the name of, like, let's just go high. So maybe that. And then finally, I just wanted to wish a big happy birthday to Emily and David. Hope you guys have a uh, fantastic celebration and enjoy your special day. So CP, shout outs this week. I have zero shout outs. However, I would like to acknowledge that we did post earlier this week or last week, a poll asking how many of you were going to be watching the Oscars. And it was about 50-50. So I'm curious afterwards to know if you ended up changing your mind and in fact watching the Oscars or if you changed your mind and decided against watching it. What was there? I think yeah, it broke I think down the last like 52-48. Time... Yep, I was going to say the last time I saw the poll was about 52-48 for watching. So <laughs> slightly more of our of our viewers, our listeners are watching the show. But, you know, that's probably about par for the course. I don't know that everybody always watches the oscars my understanding was that uh denzel washington was at the laker game james cameron and tom cruise didn't even show up (laughs) i don't know if they had scheduling issues or they're working on other projects or whatever but you know they both had uh movies nominated for best picture and apparently not enough to move the needle i think jimmy kimmel had a great joke in there where he's like the two guys that try to convince us to go to the theater didn't show up to the theater Let's get into it. I really like Jimmy Kimmel as a host this year. I thought he did a great job of spurring the evening on. He kept it about the movies. 
He had some great jokes that were a lot of fun. And he also didn't get really political. He kept it all the humor, everything kind of centered around what was going on. And I yeah, he sprinkled it. some jokes in there with some political undertones. But generally speaking, he tried to keep it about the nominees and the movies, which was a lot of fun because I think that's something that, you know, the Oscars, when you look back over the last few years, they've been marred by sort of controversy and what's happening here. So, you know, not only is there the whole ratings issue and them trying to do things like add fan favorite categories and <laughs> you know they're, they're messing with the actual show format but there was also the slap last year a few years back there was uh, they actually announced the wrong winner for best picture they said yep. la la land when it was in fact moonlight a few years in there there was covid i think maybe one year they had a host controversy where yep. wasn't it kevin hart yeah uh, he got chastised for old jokes and so they ended up having a show where they didn't have a host and they just yeah. it's just always been marred by this sort of controversy or, or things going on outside of uh, just the movies and celebrating the nominees and this is a year that felt like things went back to normal and Jimmy Kimmel even had a great joke as the show ended he walked off the stage while everybody from everybody everywhere all at once is celebrating on stage he walks off past the donkey past cocaine bear and there's a sign back there that says like years without incident and he changes it from zero to one <laughs> you know great great gag but it's one of those things where yeah i i think maybe jimmy kimmel was a bit of a safe bet as a host but it really paid dividends just scanning twitter looking at some of the comments sections i got the vibe that a lot of the people who did tune in actually really enjoyed him as the host they found him to be funny he kept it about the movies and definitely about the nominees that's where his focus was which was great also this is the first year that I can remember where the Oscars actually ran on time. They might have even finished a little ahead of time. I know it was supposed to be three hours. It's supposed to be wrapped at eight and it was like wrapping up before eight. I was like, wow. Yeah, I think like it actually went off the air closer to maybe 8.30 at the latest, but they had already gone to before eight. They were already announcing best actor, best female actor, and then best picture. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. and they did them fast too. Like, did you notice best picture at the very end for the nominees? Cause they do a thing where throughout the broadcast, they show almost a trailer for each of the nominees. So by yeah. the time they got to best picture at the end, they're just like, they just literally like said the name, showed like an image from it and then just moved on. It wasn't the whole like, oh, let's recap the entire thing we already saw. They really seem to slim down the trailer portion of the Academy Awards, even with stuff like screenplay, right? I feel like they used to show you like a minute long scene with the text. And now it was the equivalent of a little 15, 20 second bit. The other thing too, we think back, you know, earlier broadcasts of the Academy Awards, especially when you go back to the 90s, they had an opportunity to give the viewing audience insight into some of these processes and some of the individuals where now, like we talked about last week, a lot of these people you can either connect with and follow their journey on social media, but there was also the rise of of like DVD behind the scenes content in the early 2000s that gave people that look at home. And now, you know, with streaming services and YouTube and things like that, you know, if you're, if you're really interested in that, you can go take a deeper dive. You don't necessarily need that extra time here in the Oscars broadcast. Absolutely. So, what did you think about them adding all the categories back? They said that was something that was requested by a lot of Academy members, a lot of filmmakers and people who love the Oscars. And I thought they did it pretty well. It didn't feel like it was overbearing or burdensome to the runtime. 
I think it was a great move. Again, I'm like, why are some of these people being acknowledged and other ones not? But more importantly, I think what it came down to is they minimized all the offstage drama. So there wasn't a bunch of things taking up time. And they really cut down on the amount of time that people were giving their speeches. Yeah, which, they said it was my, 45 seconds, I think. Which, which I guess if you get up there and this is the biggest moment of your life, you might feel robbed. For a lot of us in the audience, we're like, okay, you just talked for three minutes. I don't even know who you are, and I never saw your movie. And I don't know what you did on that movie, right? And I think they generally tried to give everybody their moment. I mean, 45 seconds is what they're they're aiming for, but they did a pretty good job of not trying to rush people off stage because that can be uncomfortable at award shows. Yep. We've seen that happen where somebody's mid-speech and the band starts playing and it's kind of like you almost want to boo because you're like, I mean, clearly they're not done. Yeah. But then you've also seen people take way too much time where yep. you're like, hey, listen, like I, I too am grateful for every person I've ever met. But but yeah. oh, we can't name them all. Exactly. I think there was one speech. It might have been the directors of Everything Everywhere All at Once. He did kind of have a, a good speech about how each of us has like a specific journey. And he talks about how, you know, whether it's your friends in high school or whoever, like everybody kind of contributes to your individual journey. And so he doesn't go in and name everybody, but he is like, hey, for all of you that have contributed to mine, thank you. And mm -hmm. I was like, that's kind of a cool way to put it, which, you know, he's like, listen, you know, we each have our own group of people, but, you know, you can't thank everyone. The other thing too is like actors and people are accepting these awards and it's considered a personal achievement. But in addition to the personal people, I think you would want to thank, you also want to thank people associated with the movie. And so that just becomes so many people. Yeah. Your, your director, your co-star, the people who finance it, right? You start going through everything and some of that's assumed that everyone up there, you know, but it's like at the same time, you don't want to make it all about you. I absolutely so, agree. Yeah, I thought they did a good job generally of managing that, even though I think there were a couple people that maybe the music started playing. Generally, I, I thought they handled it pretty well this year. I would so agree. were there any acceptance speeches that stood out? I know which one stood out for me. I, I mean, I think there's two that really stole, stole the show. First of all, I guess the number two acceptance speech of the night was Brendan Fraser, and he just... Obviously, so many people were really rooting for him and felt like he deserved it and his return to Hollywood. He just was so emotional. We have seen him give some great speeches about this role and getting the opportunity to be in it. And I don't know that this was as powerful of a speech as he's given, like some of the other ones that, that he- Yeah, there were a lot of whale references. There were a lot of whale references. He clearly thought this out. There was a speech that he gave at one of the award shows about a month ago where he was talking about this role- giving voice to people who just needed to hold on a little bit longer, which I thought was much more powerful. You'll see it floating around Instagram. It was so validating to finally see him get this because so many people had been rooting for him. And obviously he was sort of the favorite to win it anyway, but I thought it was just really great and people seemed thrilled and he was up there bawling his eyes out and that made us all happy. And number one, I mean, I, I know you're thinking the same thing as me, so go ahead and say it. Well, it's, uh, how do you pronounce his name? I want to make sure we get it right. Kihei Kwan. Kihei Kwan. I think is how you say his name. Short, Short round, round. Goonie. 
he won. And I mean, his exuberant passion for the opportunity to even be nominated, he just had the biggest smile on his face. But, you know, he had that true fist pump. Like, I'm just so happy. And he, you know, he talked about those things that give us all hope that maybe one day we'll be up there, right? Dream big. Thank you to my mom, right? Like, he's just so happy. And we talked about this, obviously, two weeks ago. There was such a story around him. This guy who stumbled into acting by chance lands a role in two of the biggest movies of the 1980s. And then essentially because he reached such heights early on in his career, was really unable to get in any other acting roles for 40 years and talked about how he never gave up despite feeling like he was never going to make it in the industry again. And finally he did. You know, he talked about how his wife encouraged him, how his mom encouraged him. And I just thought it was great. Again, it was, you know, it's kind of like that. How can you not yeah. get romantic about baseball? It's like, how can you not be romantic about movies? And he said it himself in his speech. He's like, you know, people, things like this only happen in the movies. And here I am winning an Academy Award, living the American dream, showing that these things happen in real life. And on top of it, he was just so happy. There was, yeah. he was not pretentious at all. Like there's the great shot of him jumping up and down when Harrison Ford comes out to make the yeah. announcement of best picture winner, which was his movie. And we saw him go up there and hug Harrison. I'm like, how can you not love this guy? And moments like- They have this, a nice cutaway shot of Spielberg smiling too. Yeah. And you're just like, yes, this is what we love about movies. And this is what the Oscars should be about. And I feel like we forgot that for a while. Yeah, it was fun. It was contagious. You know, he had that energy that I think it's that type of energy why we tune into award shows. Because it's so special to see somebody get honored for great work. Like you said, it it really be about big dreams and movies and finding that success. That said, I also, I liked Jamie Lee Curtis. I think she too was rewarded for quite a long career and mm -hmm. contributions to movies in many different genres, which she does kind of acknowledge in her speech. You know, the Scream Queen nickname that she has for starring in all the Halloween movies it was cool. I was like, that's really neat. And then I like, I really liked the directors for Everyone Everywhere All at Once. Mm -hmm. I thought they, they kept it fairly short. I thought they, they had, you know, a little bit of a prepared message, but I thought it was, was really good. No, absolutely. Were there any snubs that you felt happened at this year's Oscars? Me personally, I was rooting for Angela Bassett in the supporting actress. Very happy for Jamie Lee Curtis. I don't know to what degree the Academy recognized, you know, if they're ranking the nominees. I'm, I'm guessing it was pretty tight. I just haven't seen her movie, but I did see Wakanda Forever and I saw Angela Bassett's performance. Another actor who has a long career and body of work. I don't know. I thought if she had won, that would have been really cool. So I was kind of rooting for her. And then of course, of course. Of course, I wanted Spielberg to win. Like, <laughs> like I said, I loved those director's speech for, you know, everyone everywhere all at once. But yeah, I mean, I wanted Spielberg to win. I, he's my favorite director of all time. Obviously, I did get a chance to see The Fablemans. I thought it was a great movie. But there was something just so unique about Spielberg directing a movie about not just himself, but movies. Yeah. I don't know. It seemed like kind of a unique opportunity to reward one of the greatest of all time. I mean, The Fablemans was good and I really enjoyed it as a huge fan of Spielberg, but I could see where Fablemans maybe you're like, no, it's probably runner up status. It's probably maybe the three spot. I get it. Yeah. But still, I'm rooting for my guy. I love Spielberg. <laughs> Too many good memories of movie magic through the years that I just, I always root for him. How about you? Any snubs? Well, I think I mentioned this uh, in the episode we put out two weeks ago. I still think the biggest snub was Top Gun Maverick not even getting nominated for Best Cinematography. Mm, and okay. We've heard so much work about the way they kind of reinvented aerial photography, new techniques that they developed and employed to capture the movie the way that they did. I think that that was kind of messed up. Now, 
I think I said it before, I enjoyed All Quiet on the Western Front. I think from the technical achievement side, it is really amazing. I mean, I know you saw it. It was rewarded for that. And it it was. My only gripes with the movie were more story sides. So I felt like everything it won was justified. I still think Banshee should have won for best screenplay. The only reason why we just acknowledge that, I mean, if there was a snub, I think it was for the Banshees of Inishirin in general. It did not get any awards. It was nominated for a significant number. Come back to writing because I'm like, this is a movie, spoilers, if you haven't seen it, about a guy who is so determined to spite his best friend that he cuts off his own fingers. And we find a way to laugh about this. Like, that is talented writing, if I've ever seen it. Sure. I do think that that was a bit of a snub, that it didn't walk away with anything after all the nominees that it did have. There's also that kind of, like when we look at everyone everywhere all at once, or every everything everywhere all at once, sorry, I think I've been mm-hmm. saying everyone, everything everywhere all at once. One of the things that just stands out is that movie was a bit of a fan favorite. I think people actually did go to the theater to check out that movie. It got yep. really good word of mouth. It made a decent amount of money because it had about a year-long run. Mm -hmm. I think if the Academy was maybe voting the way they had been voting for previous years, it might have gone more towards Banshees. So you and I have talked about this in the previous episodes. They've expanded one category to 10 nominees, and that's Best Picture, right? Mm -hmm. And you and I kind of admitted that, sure, Top Gun was my favorite movie of the year. But it's very, very unlikely to win. And it did not. And neither did Avatar, despite being the number one box office draw of mm-hmm. the year. I think both but, only walked away with one Academy Award in the technical side of the spectrum. Yeah, everything, everywhere, all at once might be the Academy, like the closest the Academy gets to kind of rewarding a fan favorite film. Because they're just never going to go all the way for like Top Gun. Mm. It, they just won't you know it's a bit of a shame because as we mentioned like they expanded the category best picture to 10 nominees but it doesn't really feel like all 10 have a shot at best picture i mean you can see it in last night or the last award show which is a handful of movies essentially win almost all the awards so i don't know that you actually need 10 nominees right like an exception to that is something like The Whale with Brendan Fraser. He was able to get nominated and it got nominated for like best makeup. And so that, you're right. There's always mm. other movies that slip into actress. different categories. Yeah. 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 I think sometimes, you know, you expand because like, why did the Academy only expand best picture, but not every other category, every category to, 10? to 10 nominees? You know, because it's probably not necessary, right? We, we have a pretty good idea of maybe who the top five are. And sure, there might be some debate. I think this year there was that controversy around one of the best actress or best female actor got nominated and they, they actually talked about rescinding it, if I'm correct. Yep. Because I'm, I'm not sure what happened to their process, but essentially like someone was nominated and I'm not trying to take away anything. I haven't seen that movie either. Uh, apparently it was an incredible surprise and the Academy was like, how did this happen? Yeah. But they left it. And that might mean that there was someone else out there that maybe was truly a little bit more deserving to be maybe in that five spot for a nominee. Because that's still a great honor for an actor. Anybody want to putting on, you know, their resume or they're going to audition or, or interview for parts. I'm an Academy Award winning or nominated actor. Yeah. Don't make that mistake. Like, that's a big deal. I don't know. I, I think, you know, when you look at this whole 10 nominees and, and how this all plays out, James Cameron and Tom Cruise didn't even show up. And I think the Academy went with everything everywhere all at once as an acknowledgement that like, hey, we are open to like fan favorite films. I think Parasite was another one a few years ago where that was clearly what people were rooting for. And it was a very popular film. And I think they're trying to show that like, hey, we can we can uh, 
find some wiggle room here, but we're also, you know, not going to give best picture to Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. I guess my last question about the award ceremony is presenters. Anything stand out to you? Anything memorable? As far as presenters go, nothing. I thought it was pretty par for the course. I thought what was it? Hugh Grant calling himself a scrotum was <laughs> kind I did of enjoy random. That. Yeah, that was kind of weird. I think it was really great that uh, Harrison Ford was up there when Everything Everywhere won Best Picture, and you know we got the hug and that that kind of great moment, indie memories. Gosh, so on he looks stage, so old though, dude. You know, I've actually been watching a show with him, and it's shrinking. And he does; he is older. You know, it makes me wonder two things: one, how is he going to be indie again as old indie? Like <laughs> this guy does not look like he can ride a horse, and certainly not while being like shot at or chased. I'm also wondering now: are they going to have like a short round cameo? Like. They one dude i would think that's I gonna think find itself in the movie one. even yeah. if that was never the intention i feel like now you like you gotta do it yeah right this is probably right. harrison ford's last outing as indie so like you gotta do it they can't pull a disney with star wars and i still think it's absolutely egregious that in the force awakens they literally had a photo of that table read with like harrison ford and carrie fisher and mark hamill and peter mayhew and kenny Bay. like all these star wars people were there and then now nah, they didn't get them on screen together yeah, that's pretty criminal. You're like, how? How does that happen? Right? How do you, you need mess that, that Avengers up? team up moment with the original cast? It's so well, strange. and like literally blows my mind because they it's it they missed it. Right? Spoiler alert: If you haven't seen the Star Wars sequel trilogy, they killed off Han Solo in the first one, so he can't even come back as a character. And then R.I.P. Carrie Fisher actually passed away. Peter Mayhew passed away. Kenny Baker passed away. Like. Yep. Horrible yep. news on, on all of those actors. But at the same time, like the opportunity was there at one time and they blew it. I guess the closest we'll ever get is that photo. So stupid though. So don't blow it on Indy 5. <laughs> yeah. Get it right. Please, cameo please, happen. please make the cameo. Yeah, do do the thing. It'll be very rewarding as fans. So audience, if you ended up watching the Academy Awards, hit us up. Let us know what you thought. Let us know what you would have liked to see. Drucker, let us know if you have regrets for not seeing it. So I have a question, CP. Yeah. Everything Everywhere All at Once won Best Picture and a majority of the awards that it was nominated for. Do you think Correct. worthy of that? I think that it was. In the episode we talked about it, we said that we thought it was a serious contender in all these categories that it was nominated for. And apparently it was being victorious. I do think that, as I said, I think part of this is the Academy waking up to the fact and saying, hey, yes, some of the, there's some really great, more artistic films and they were nominated, but I think they tried to acknowledge that everything everywhere all at once was a movie that people went to see on top of it being a remarkable film, a great story, having some incredible performances, people saw it. And we've talked about it before. We're not likely anytime soon to return to the days of Titanic and Gladiator. You know, these movies killing in the box office who everybody saw and talked about then becoming Best Picture winners. But I thought that this was a nice shift away from what had become much more, what's more niche and artistic than the previous year. That's what we're going to nominate and celebrate, despite the fact that people only saw it because it ended up walking away with a number of Academy Award wins. Yeah, and I felt the audience reaction was fantastic for all of the, the winners, but just the film in general. It mm -hmm. seemed whenever they would put even, you know, the nominees up on the screen and, and when they would show the trailer, uh, people were very excited. They did their best to kind of reward moviegoers. Now, I'm going to throw it over to you because you have something else that you wanted to talk about. It's a little bit different than the Academy Awards. And that actually <laughs> does it, CP, for our uh, uh, Academy Awards Oscars talk. I know. So, 
I know. We got to wait a whole nother year till we get back yeah. on talking about that side of the industry and awards. You know? I think next year, you know, what we're going to do is we're, you and I, we might even do like some live, either live tweeting or live broadcast, but we got to watch all the nominees. All right. I think that sounds like a good idea. I don't know if we can do it if we go see them in the theaters. So we'll have to, maybe you and I will get together. Let's go get some popcorn. Have a movie marathon <laughs> or two. Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll just have, well, a, have a good movie night. Speaking of movie night and getting together, I wanted to propose something to you and I wanted to propose something to our audience. Okay. So I'm thinking we need to take a filmmaker's compass road trip. Now, oh, you and I have done some road trips in the past. That's true. So this would not be the first, but I think we need to make one about movies. What I'm going to propose to you mm. is this. Now, if you guys watch the Super Bowl, you may have seen the commercial for the last blockbuster on the planet up in Bend, Oregon. Well, there was a great documentary. Netflix actually just the other day pulled it from their from their lineup, but you can find no. it on Voodoo. You can find it on Prime. It's great. It's called The Last Blockbuster. And it's a documentary. Irony that that would be on Netflix too. Yeah, That's... right. Well, it's actually an incredible documentary because I think- No, we I've walk seen around, it. Right? We walk around under the assumption that Netflix killed Blockbuster and there's a little bit more to it than that. Netflix was a piece, but bad financial decision, market crash. Yeah, all that stuff killed. <laughs> blockbuster watching the documentary i thought you know what d-man especially since when we were kids we used to go to blockbuster together a lot yeah you know blockbuster was like an experience in a weird mm -hmm. way mm -hmm. it was that fun of getting to walk through the aisles and see what titles they had and you could kind of envision what your night was going to be if you were lucky your parents might let you rent a video game so after the movie you could stay up late with your yep. friends and yep. play deep into the night but then you also got to pick out what candy you wanted which was fun as a kid that that too like just as a kid having choice you know yep. your parents saying what do you want because yep. so often you know for kids our choices are made well our when your kids their choices are made for them right yep. it's like hey this is the candy we have but when you went to blockbuster it was like everybody gets to pick out one thing and then yep. you have nice friends they might all share but you might not but hog their candy but that's okay yeah and it was a lot of fun i think you know obviously the, the new release section at blockbuster was pretty cool because there was always some movie that you didn't get to see in theaters and you'd wanted to see so that was exciting but like i remember i also had staples like cp something that stands out to me and my mom used to she was like what is like when I was a kid I, at Blockbuster, they had, it was called History by Michael Jackson. And it was all his music videos, which at this time, <laughs> you know, Michael Jackson is like the music video king. And there right? was no He's, YouTube back then. Yeah. Right. There's no YouTube. You know, MTV plays what they play, but a lot of those videos kind of come and go. But Michael Jackson was the one that these were the gold standard of music videos. So I'd always rent that. Loved watching all his different <laughs> music. I still love like Billie Jean, how he touches everything and it turns white. But like, I remember that being fun because I would rent that over and over and over again, which I, I don't know. To me, that's just like, what a precursor to like YouTube, me. <laughs> and your you know? mom was like, why do we keep watching the same Michael Jackson music video collection? Just learning, but like thriller, absolutely stunning video. I mean, just incredible. But I'm not trying to go into a Michael Jackson rant. I'm just saying that like, you know, how neat that like, you know, you even look at Blockbuster as a precursor to something like YouTube, where it was like, hey, I want to go get these. And now you just throw it on, you know, you can stream it right to your tv the documentary they have lots of celebrities who who reminisce about their time at blockbuster but i want to work this. at blockbuster too right and they all bring up the blockbuster smell do you remember the blockbuster smell yeah right it was very distinct it was like the smell of plastic yeah 
You know, something I have to give a knock here on Blockbuster is just the late fees. I think they they really killed their own brand. I feel like with late fees, you should at least just pay whatever the amount is for the movie and then you just own it. Seems pretty self-explanatory. No, but they ruined it. Yep, they totally Stupid did. Blockbuster. I mean, you come in, you want to rent another movie and they're like, you owe us $45. And you're like, what? Yeah. How? They're like, you didn't return this on time. It was two hours late. You're like, $45? For two hours? Yeah, so crazy. Anyway. What was that smell, though? What was the smell? I assume it was just all those VHS containers. Which, remember, I don't know mm. why. They all looked like they're always beat to shit. Like, yeah. did people just take their Blockbuster VHSs and just, like, throw them across the parking lot as they walk to their car? They probably threw them in their car, right? They probably just, like, tossed it. Yeah, right? Oh, I don't know. You yeah. never worked at Blockbuster, did you? No, I did no, not. No, me neither. I wanted to. I feel like that would have been a fun job. A chill job. You get to go and just talk about movies all day. <clears throat> yeah, I feel like it definitely would have been pretty chill. Yeah. So not not to knock any of you Blockbuster employees out there. I don't know. Maybe it was incredibly hard work, but certainly didn't look like it to. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You talk movies with people. I'm like, that's what I do for fun. Like, if you're paying me to talk movies with people, even better. Yeah, I did hate towards the end. I feel like Blockbuster started using like data and analytics to see which movies were the best. They just started to give shelf space to like all these kind of prime movies but when we were kids it used to actually be like a library of movies they had shelf space dedicated to old classics and you could go rent stuff but yeah. by the end i feel like they got rid of a lot of those rows and all they had were really whatever was new in their defense that's probably what people were actually renting but there was something charming about going in and having so many options yeah right that was the beauty of the video store and that's something that our kids are never going to get to experience. And I always thought yeah. it was fun. And that's what it was. Just it was, it was like an experience. Out. It was cool. Like, I don't know. It was, it was something, it was like, instead of going to the movies at night, you know, I'm like, hey, CP, you want to come over? My mom said we can go rent something at Blockbuster. We don't know what it is yet. And you, we might even get into an argument about what we want to yep. rent. Yep. And that's, and that was part of the fun. And then you have to find something. Or sometimes you're on two or three. I miss Blockbuster. I still love movie night. It's just, I don't know. It was, it was cool. Well, it was different when you had to actually get up and drive in your car and go someplace and look and talk to people as opposed to walking over to your couch, turning it on and scrolling through some streaming services. No, and sometimes like, you know, you'd go to Blockbuster and like you'd run into other friends or classmates that were doing the same thing that night. You know, maybe you run into, I don't know, a girl you have a crush on. So this is a great story. Do you remember the time we went to Blockbuster and you accidentally punched my teacher? No. <laughs> what? When did that happen? <laughs> this is like right before Blockbuster closed. D-Man and I went to Blockbuster and we were specifically looking for a Dragon Ball Z movie. Oh, okay. That and sounds right. we found it and D-Man got super excited and he jumped up and put his arms there and went, yes! And as he threw his hand, threw back his hand, my math teacher, Mr. Pereira, walked by and Dustin hit him in the face. Sorry, Mr. Pereira. It was awesome because I didn't I didn't like that guy to begin with, so, but it's pretty cool. So oh well then I'm not that sorry. No, no, Love I that. just <laughs> I was like, of all the things, like that's one of my favorite blockbuster memories, D man. Oh yeah. That was cool. But I always loved that. I love that feeling. As they say, you can never go back and we don't have time machines yet. So I think you and I should really, if the viewers decide on this, and I will put the trust in them, if the viewers decide that we should, I think we need to road trip it up to Bend, Oregon. Just I don't even know how long sake. that would take. I'm in LA, so... 
It's like 12 hours. We'll go up to Oregon, walk around Blockbuster. We'll buy some sweet Blockbuster merchandise. Maybe we'll rent a movie just so that we say that we can. If we take my Ford Focus, there's a good chance it'll die. So that'll make for an interesting story. Yeah, we can can document the whole thing. (laughs) We can make a documentary about us going to the last Blockbuster and put it on YouTube. That would actually be fun. I do love just busting out busting out the tripod, getting some cool shots. Maybe we'll get a drone. Well, I'm just saying, if we don't do this now, like if we if we put this off a year or two, we might not have a blockbuster ever go to again. So I think we need to approach this with a little urgency, D-Man. Ah, that would be fun. I'm kind of down for it. So Yes. Plus, like you said, I love a good road trip. I know. Who doesn't? You know, we, could pick, we could pick a scenic route, have fun. And I've never been to Oregon. I know. Make it a field trip. So make it a Portland field trip. would be cool. Yeah. Be pretty so. sweet. Well, let us know what you think. Maybe we'll make this road trip happen. That'd be pretty cool. Well, CP, that actually does it for our episode this week. So it's a little bit of a shorter episode. We wanted to do an Oscars recap and talk a little bit about maybe, uh, you know, some future opportunities for us. But <laughs> no, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. Obviously, we want to hear your guys' thoughts. Did did the Academy get the winners right? Did you enjoy the Oscars show? And if you're Eric Drucker, do you regret not watching it? <laughs> so well put, CP. And Drucker, hey, maybe we'll all get together and watch it next year. Just so, you know, you can give it one more chance. Yes, even better. Love it. If you want to continue the conversations or stream any of the older episodes of the show, all you have to do is go to filmmakerscompass.com where we have all of our social media links and a feed that has every episode going all the way back to now at this point, CP, we have a couple of years of episodes. Yeah, go ahead and check that out. But you can follow me at Big Kid Demon, CP. You can follow me at NDCal5. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Filmmakers Compass Podcast. We will see you back here next week. Until then, keep watching movies. And maybe you should give a little special attention to checking out everything everywhere all at once. I don't know. Might, might just be a good piece of advice going forward.